This is Gemma Redgrave, and you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 497 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where someone left their explosives in the freezer and we've got double, nay, triple agents. I'm Julie. I'm Haley. And I'm Jay. This week, the the Cybermen try to rewrite their own history in an attempt to stop the destruction of their home planet, but they're ultimately thwarted through a very unexpected ally in Attack of the Cybermen. The Doctor and Perry find themselves in London, 1985 through detecting a distress call, which means that Perry finds herself seeing London for the first time from underneath when they stumble upon a diamond heist in progress. The heist is being led by none other than our old friend Lytton, though it turns out it was all a setup to gain the favor of his apparent new villainous overlords, the Cybermen. So the crew is whisked away to Telos, uh, a sub-freezing planet under cyber control. But Lytton has one more trick up his sleeve as he has apparently been allied with the native Cryons the whole time. Please, Doctor. Kill me. Move away from him, Doctor. Emotion is a weakness. I don't think so. It brought you back for your friend, and it will cost you your life. So for my part, one of the interesting things was two sides of the science coin. So Halley's Comet was included as a couple of different plot points but then i was also kind of thrown off by the extreme cold because they just kept saying it but there was no shivering and the only person who changed into any warmer clothing was perry and everyone else just was okay carrying on with what they had so how do we feel about the science part of this episode and how it really played into the doctor who theme i actually have an incredibly important question are they using celsius or fahrenheit Right, because they just said zero degrees. They never said what. Yeah. But I'm also like, so it has to be cold or else that stuff that was left in the cell with them explodes, right? Couldn't the doctor's body heat just be enough to like... I think they said it had to go from zero up to 10 degrees. So that I feel like... Which would be more than body heat. No, because Fahrenheit, the human body is 98.6 degrees if you're healthy. The doctor is relatively close to that. Yeah, it. Th- this was one of those stories where the the science was really only there to further the plot, and if it got in the way of the plot, then it got squidged. <laughs> I I put this up there with the moon is an egg level of science. Yeah, like <laughs> so as as the posted on the bulletin board when you're coming up with story ideas, it worked. 
And as soon as we built the whole story around it, it all just crumbled and fell to pieces. Yeah, I mean, it Right, like they had the tentacle <laughs> icicles and all this other stuff going on to make you it look cold, but there were some some missed opportunities with, you know, even a little bit of like a oh, arms rubbing or yeah, I mean, chattering of teeth everyone. <laughs> aside while. from the doctor being in the room that one time and kind of jumping around, but then even like in a couple scenes later, he's just sitting there normally like he's fine with it. Part of the drawback is the technology of the time. Like we couldn't have them CGI in everybody's breath to give us that cold feeling. So this is our very first 45, well, not very first, but the first in a run of 45 minute episodes. Uh, as part of our multi-part story. How does everyone feel that affected the pacing of the story overall? I liked it. I feel like we didn't have to sit through the weird cliffhanger after 20 minutes. They were able to stretch those story beats into something that was two parts instead of four. Obviously, right? Mm. That was the point. But I feel like the pacing benefited benefited from it in this instance because they were able to deliver a few more beats before the cliffhanger and this story I feel like really needed it because there were a few interlocking pieces that needed to be explained to us and I thought they did a good job of having additional characters asking the questions, even though part of that meant Lytton was just being an awful jerk to the guy that he had hired every single moment of, ah, you would be the slow one, but plot device, eh, I, or else like the, those of us watching, it was our mouthpiece of like, why is this happening? Who is this person? So I feel like it gave some of those characters something to do and brought was able to pull us as the watchers along with them. Yeah, the the pacing of this one actually felt really good. You can still kind of see the uh, the old um, you know, like the old ways of doing the story where you, it, it was very easy to pick it about halfway through the episode where they're like, oh, this this probably would have been the cliffhanger if we were doing four episodes, you know. Uh, but ultimately, it I feel like it flowed really well. There was a uh, it, it didn't feel like you were retreading a whole bunch of stuff where we've had that before with the it's like oh there's a power struggle and now you go here and now this person's in charge now it's back to that person kind of thing and uh, I feel like it it actually gave time to explore some of the story beats and not uh, be slave to we've got to get this much story into this much episode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I've always felt that one of the issues with what's typically a four-part story when we're doing the 22-minute episodes is that they need to come up with three turns mm-hmm. to have three strong cliffhangers or shifts or something to bring the audience in for the next week. And then when we come along 50 years later and try to watch it all in one sitting, it makes the story feel choppy. Yeah. So this, you know, this is the way we're watching it now. We're not watching it across four weeks. This works better for a modern viewing. And I could see this being a good transition point for new audience members of this is when the story pacing changes in a big way. Yeah, very much so. It's It, it really did kind of have more of a, uh, I don't want to say cinematic feel to it, but it, it felt like the the story was a, a con, uh, combined piece instead of just here's a, a few different plot threads that we're throwing together in whatever we can fit into the editing that we have to do. Um, it, it really did feel like more of a coherent story, which is kind of surprising given that the story itself wasn't super coherent. But Hence the guy hanging out, being explained yeah. everything to. So we come into the old 
uh, you know, oh, he was a good guy all along trope with, with Lytton, where in the end we find out that he's not actually trying to sell everyone out to the Cybermen, that he was working with the Cryons the whole time to try and undo them. Uh, how do we feel that that got played out? Is it? Do you feel like it was deserved? like it, Or did it just feel like, oh, well, we have to have something to, to change things up here? Like, what was your take on it? I feel like he was definitely a true jerk the whole time, but I feel like if you didn't have that, then the doctor would not have been suspicious and completely written him off basically until the last five minutes, if even mm. that. And I think it gave a way, and we'll see if this becomes something for the doctor as well, or if this is a one one moment button at the end, but... It gave it will give the doctor a way to deal with being so judgmental, leaping to conclusions, not really listening to his companions when they say, hey, step back and look at the whole picture. And I feel like you don't get to do that if he's more of a good guy, like being nice to people or actually engaging with conversation and sharing. And to his credit, you don't have to tell everyone everything if you're just trying to get people to go and do the stuff. He was trying to pay the guy. True. Crystals from a different planet. <laughs> so it works just as good for money. Are you, did they establish, was he doing it for the money too? No, he was He I think was doing it to, uh, to stop the Cybermen because they, I think they destroyed his home planet. Oh, okay. He had been working with the Daleks in the... Um, the something of the in Daleks. a previous uh, yeah <laughs> yes where's right. Kier when you need him right uh yeah in the something of the Daleks he was partnered with the Daleks mm -hmm. and so they had destroyed I think at that point the Cybermen came in and destroyed the Daleks and so he was trying to get back at them and then I think just kind of unlikely allies but I think he also at some point he said he found these people were good to him and so it was worth it to help them mm -hmm. kind of joint goals. I, I feel like it was, it was one of those things that kind of, um, I, d I didn't see it coming from the get go, but the way that the story kind of played out, it was, it was one of those things like he's, he's more than just a, an antagonist at this point. Like something is going to happen with him to, uh, to make him a, an important character, uh, so to speak. So mm -hmm. it, it didn't really surprise me like I think it was supposed to, but at the same time, it wasn't... I didn't feel like it was so far afield that I couldn't buy into it. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was it was an interesting turn. Um, I, I, I just... I'm, not, I'm still not sure if I feel like it was the right thing to do for the character. Did you remember that he was in the Something of the Daleks episode before reading, like, a synopsis or anything for this story? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Okay. Did, you did not? I did not. No. My brain is very fuzzy I these days. Yeah. I recognized his face, but also kind of thought like, oh, we've been watching a lot of random other stuff. It didn't necessarily mean it was from Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And so, but then Kier's like, oh, do you recognize him? And I said, maybe, and put my hands up. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, I think it was the resurrection yeah. of the Daleks. And I think he was... Yep working directly with them so i mean he was a bad guy before so having him not be a complete bad guy this time was definitely not something that i expected i just mm. figured like <laughs> he's the gun for hire mm. and these guys didn't pan out all right i'm gonna go help these guys these guys don't pan out what's next so julie you, you brought up something that i wanted to touch on too is that the 
the relationship between the doctor and and Perry, it, I mean, it seems strained at first. You know, you have the doctor strangling his his companion, but uh, the, in this one, you have Perry like really trying to to look out for him and be like, "Look, doctor, you just regenerated. You're you're struggling. You can can you take a minute?" And he is just very dismissive of her uh, of her care, um, and sometimes to his detriment. You know, so I. I what do you guys feel about the the relationship between the two of them so far? I think he writes her off very quickly. I think it's one of those like, oh, you just have to trust me and I'll do what's right for you. And multiple times he even halfway asked her, oh, where do you want to go? You could tell she had an idea at mm-hmm. the very beginning. And then he said, oh, for you, we're going to go do this thing and didn't even listen or pay attention. And I, I feel like if that were to happen today, we'd be like, uh, rude. And walk away. (laughs) Just leave. Based on what we've been shown so far, I'm honestly not sure why Perry would stay with this doctor. I mean, that's that's completely fair. And I I was curious about that because this is the first time that you've seen the you know either you've seen the sixth doctor with Perry. So it's it's interesting to see because I I remember them getting along okay, but a lot of that is probably I mean it's it's fuzzy. It's been a bit since I've watched any sixth doctor. yeah, so I, I kind of accept the the friction between them because I know that they get along later. So I was, I was wondering mm-hmm. how that kind of comes across to somebody who's not uh, familiar with the, the two of them. I think she's very forgiving, and I think that it will be something to see how that plays out and if she continues to be forgiving, which sounds like you're saying that, yes, they've, they've come to a point where they understand each other better. Maybe once he kind of settles down a little bit, because he's still all over the place and very dramatic and being called mm-hmm. out for it. I also think there were a lot of times where <laughs> probably the writing, uh, uh, something of the time where she has lines that just, oh, I was confused. I'm sorry. I feel like there could be differences there. Like, let her be a strong female character and be a role model instead of just literally... I remember at least three or four times where she's caught up in something and she's, oh, I was confused. And it's not an act to get her out of it. It's a legitimate reaction to, I don't know how I got here. Excuse me, ma'am. This was the 1980s. It, that that kind of, you can't have strong fail characters. They're there to serve the... I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the confusion as well as the dumb guy who's been hired for not his brains <laughs> to just do the thing and not ask questions. <laughs> so how do we how do we want to rate this one on the the rewatchability and recommendability scale? Haley, let's go with you first. I I feel like it fits well into kind of a Cyberman primer. You know, okay. if you're uh, if you're trying to get a f- sense of all the Cyberman origin stories right. and the development of those stories. Um, it's a good one to fit in there. Especially since we're missing but the 10th uh, than... planet. This, this kind of, it, it <laughs> yeah. does a nice job of filling in the, the details there, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I don't know that there's a lot here to really recommend this one. Um, and mm, I I don't know, aside from like watching everything or, you know, making a special effort to watch all of the Cybermen, if I would want to rewatch them. Okay. Julie? I think I agree. I think that it would be part of a six, obviously six Doctor Growing Pains rewatch if you're looking for those kind of entry episodes. And I think it fills in a lot of details for the Cybermen, though. Like, you get a lot of information that I don't know if they address it ever again or if it becomes something, but it gives you a lot of the background for which came first, 
Talos or Mondas. It gives you one version of which came first. (laughs) Yeah, it gives you a version of it. And I I don't know if we'll ever see the Cryons again. I feel like probably not. I feel like they're a one and done. But, uh, But yeah, so I guess I would... I mean, I feel like I picked everything up on the first go round. I don't feel like there were any other layers that were missed. So maybe not a rewatch, but I wouldn't say it's definitely a no-go because I do think there was a lot of information. And I think that you must watch this if you have a desire to see the minor amounts of time when the chameleon circuit is working. Oh, that's true. Because I don't know if we're going to get this much more. And it was super fun to see it transform into various things and to allow them to walk around the back (laughs) and disappear into another entrance that we can't see. So I get the feeling that this might be a very short-lived thing because we don't, it obviously doesn't continue and it was probably easier for set pieces and dressing and stuff to just have the police box and it's iconic. Yeah, I did but, like how the the doctor is defensive about it, too. It's, well, she hasn't done it in a while. Give her a break. Yeah, since that time she turned into a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was a really fun moment, too, when it worked. Because I was just expecting it to be like a bunch of bzz, bzz, and then mm-hmm. nothing. And when they walk out and then it, it turns into the pipe organs and uh, our kiddo was watching with us and he turned to me and he goes, oh, the TARDIS changed. <laughs> so... The belief that it is possible was real fun. I would love a fanfic told from the perspective of the TARDIS, where the TARDIS is just like, I was able to change my outfit for the first time in so long. I was just trying on anything I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I've got these bells inside, but then I got to have, like, the organ, (laughs) and it was super fun. (laughs) And then all the floral decorations, yeah. She's just trying on outfits. It's what you do when you've been stuck in one boxy shape for yeah, true. <laughs> years, hundreds, hundreds of years. <laughs> so for that, I would include it in a TARDIS developmental stage. But I think you only need the first episode for that. So you, you cut that time down. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's very much a, you know, if, if this fits a specific need, then watch it. But if you're just looking for good classic who episodes to watch then this probably isn't gonna gonna make the cut but as far as rewatching it i i don't I, i'm i doubt i will ever go and seek this out though if i did come across it on like just on the tv at some point i might stick around and watch it just because i i like the character of Lytton. i think that he's you know when he's being a jerk he is doing it so deliciously and when he turns out to be a, a good guy it's like well Okay, now I don't have to feel so bad for liking him. <laughs> well, we've got uh, L.I. Who coming up in just over a month and a half, I believe. Yeah, it's starting to circle around my calendar, so I'm thinking about it more. So it's got to be around that time. Yeah, they've uh, they've announced the, the guest list, which uh, includes, obviously, Paul McGann, uh, Katie Manning, Fraser Hines, uh, Catherine Schell, who was the, the Countess Scarleone from uh, City of Death. Um, John Peel is going to be there and a bunch of others. And if you are the kind of person that likes to do the, the photo ops, Paul McGann will be wearing his eighth Doctor costume for pictures. Which I heard is not a common thing and might be one of the first few times he's done it. Or am I wrong yeah, no, about I, that? I don't think that he has ever uh, done a photo op in person or in, in costume. I think this is the first time he's nice. done it. And they're they're sharing pictures yeah, of him I, I, like you know 
doing like the fittings and stuff like that to make sure it's it's good and it uh, <laughs> it's exciting. It makes me want to break out something more from when he became partially my doctor, not from TV, but from the right. audio. I, I want to kind of go as Molly Dark Eyes or something else. Uh, Lucy uh, Bleed Miller. Lucy Bleed Miller. Yeah, I was trying to think. <laughs> Uh, but we also have some news about uh, Series 15, which is apparently uh, already being written while uh, Series 14 is in development. Uh, which is exciting because I'm hoping that that means maybe they won't go so long in between and we'll actually get some things more quickly after instead of having to wait a and year that, plus. And that lines yeah. up with the kind of thing that, that Russell has been talking about, saying that you know he doesn't want gap years to be a thing anymore, so it it makes sense that they're going to have to do this kind of uh, quicker production schedule. I think that makes a lot of sense with what they're trying to do for the show, too. You know, we know they brought Russell back to help rebuild the franchise to its former glory days, and shorter gaps really help to keep your audience engaged with the program. Yeah, so it's I'd, I really do hope that this means that we're going to see Series 15 as early as, uh, you know, like 2025. Like, just let's, let's get back on a, a yearly schedule here. It's going to be going to be exciting we'll have way, way more to talk about <laughs> right well next time when we come back we're going to be uh revisiting the sarah jane rewatch with the wedding of sarah jane smith and if if anyone uh is prone to watching the the next time trailers unlike some people here uh you will have noticed some very exciting things happening in this uh this episode <laughs> none taken but uh, this has been episode 497 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, uh, you thought you knew who I was, but I was working for the opposition the whole time. This is Julie saying, I don't think I've ever misjudged anybody quite as badly as I did Jay Witten. <laughs> and this is Haley saying, I hope everyone enjoyed seeing my comment. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR. And you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime. Otherwise, nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.